We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues, this is the podcast for you. Hi folks, a new host this week as myself, Alan, the Highlander, takes over the Highland bullpen. Richard hasn't sulked off as his mariners bombed in 2020, but he does work for our health service, so we understand he's a busy lad tonight, and I'm happy to take over his duties. Anyway, I'm kicking off tonight by checking in on Dave Jr., who is watching his White Sox in the playoffs. Although whether they will still be there when you listen to this, his first experience of the playoffs, will be a debatable matter. After that, I'll explain a bit about a key stat for baseball teams, in a series of stats and numbers that we hope to develop as the series goes on. So, Dave Jr., what were you saying there that we have not to do tonight? Uh, we have not to celebrate too wildly when the White Sox win. So, so the White Sox, uh, the one of our four teams that actually made it to the playoffs, and that was fairly well trailered. So t- tell us a wee bit about what you're expecting in your, your first experience of playoff baseball. It's very kind of you to, to refer to the White Sox as our. I'm not sure if you're jumping on the bandwagon or if you're just being incredibly friendly. There's a bandwagon to be jumped on. <laughs> well, there was, um, to answer your question and to pick you up in that wee comment, I think 10 days ago there was certainly a bandwagon which was rolling along really quite nicely and a, a team full of potential. Not everyone at the same time, but everyone within the team was really doing their bit at different parts, which again is one of the hallmarks of, of a well-performing team. And again, it's worth pointing out they are a young team littered with a few experiences old experienced grizzly pros but I think 10 days ago the White Sox were I think they were the first American team to qualify for the postseason okay. and the last 10 days or so the last 10 games have been pretty poor I think brought back down to earth a little bit and again you always think you know you look at that overall record speaking to Dave Erland he suggested getting into the, the playoffs is a fantastic achievement at the start of the season and that's true I think there's just that different feeling if you'd ended the season with 8 wins and 2 losses you go into this game or the, the wild card series in a different mindset and I've been trying to change my mindset in the last couple of nights after you know a little bit of disappointment so for anyone listening just now I, I would imagine the games I'm about to talk about have passed but uh, the White Sox are into effectively if you link this back to football the last 16 of the tournament historically the, the MLB season would have played out very differently and a lot less a lot fewer teams um, but at the moment the way that the White Sox not collapsed towards the end of the season, but definitely a really poor run of form, which moved them down the seeding system and meant that we had to face the Oakland Athletics. Although the whole point of postseason in baseball is to play in October, there's a good chance that if, if either team, if any of the teams in the American League are defeated 2-0, then they don't escape September. Back to tonight's game, and the White Sox in particular, as you asked, the Athletics, they've got a great record recently in baseball. They're a really good team. Again, there's we've spoken about the, the media representation of what they've done during the 90s and 2000s, and 
exactly what they stand for as a team and the success that they've had on such a small budget. And I think that carries through to today. They've got a, so one of my favourite players. I really like Olsen. He's actually he's just coming up to bat shortly, but he's got an absolutely beautiful swing. It's something that I haven't really seen in baseball. Quite like him, but it's, it's great to watch if you ever see him. Got from what I can see, and this is the one of the pitfalls for both teams or for any of the teams in the postseason just now. No one really has a clue out with their own division just now. Certainly with you know the West or the East or the Central, every team's a bit of a surprise just now a surprise package so the A's and the White Sox just haven't played each other they haven't came across each other this year so getting used to those pictures and that offence is quite interesting again the White Sox started well tonight and Gail has managed to sort us out with a home run in the top of the second we're currently coming up to the top of the third and the White Sox lead 1-0 which is, which is great again I don't know too much about Oakland but the way the White Sox are looking just now, we are 14-0 against left-handed pitchers this season, which is the first time in MLB history that any team has ever... Just for listeners that might not be too familiar with baseball, that means that out of the 60 games this, this season, the starting pitcher for the opposition has been a left-handed pitcher. And on every occasion, the White Sox have, have won that game, which has been superb. So I would love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> I'll go Kevin Keegan, full Kevin Keegan for a minute. I would love it if the White Sox were able to get to go one 0 up tonight in the series. It would be, I think, fantastic for the for the club. All three games, or potentially two games, are going to be in Oakland. It's it's a real tough, you know, it's a new location for a lot of the team. Again, there's stats going about that some of the team have never played in Oakland, let alone won. But again, I'm sure that'll go for, for some of Oakland's team as well. But it's a really interesting matchup. Uh, Oakland aren't without their problems as well. Their captain, and I think he might be third base, Chapman, I don't know his first name, really influential member of the team, he's out. So yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. I'm sure there's, there's a lot more excitable and historic and knowledgeable White Sox fans than I, but this is my first real season. I'm really excited about tonight and whatever comes and trying to catch up with the other 14 teams as well that have qualified. So I realise that I've took a while to answer your question, Alan, but it's just it's, it's a really exciting time for me. I don't know how you guys have felt when your own teams have qualified for postseason before. I was actually going to ask you, if I can, before that, don't tell me that the A's have actually come to game one with a left-handed pitcher. They have, they have. So I'm not sure if... Th- there must be a rationale behind that. They won't yeah. be without the knowledge of, of White Sox this season, but the, the manager, the coach, might just believe in him this guy this is the time for records to change I wonder Dave Ince as well do you want to tell us a wee bit about the seedings and how the seedings work because you've obviously got the American League World Card with the eight American League teams and you've got the National League with eight eight teams and there's seeds one to eight in both of them so I'm assuming it's a fairly logical basis on which they're they're allocated yeah. It is, although I did notice in the National League that the top three seed were the three divisional winners. So LA Dodgers um, were the West division winners, over 70% winning record. The the, the Atlanta Braves won the East and they're seeded second. The Chicago Cubs actually finished top of the Central, I think, and they're third. One thing I did notice was looking at the, you know, the best record in baseball this season is by far the Los Angeles Dodgers with this 717 record, which I think, if my arithmetic is correct, probably equates to the equivalent of winning 116 games in 162-game season. So that just shows you how good 
They are. I did notice that the San Diego Padres have the second best record in the National League, but they were only seeded fourth because, of course, they didn't win their division. So, you know, it's just sort of interesting from that point of view. Of course, there's 16 teams in it, and only only one of us managed to get a team into the into the playoffs. It's not really acceptable for Boston Red Sox, I don't think. Although, if we, if uh, you know, in a few years' time, we look back on this as a blip, then fair enough. It's perhaps you know more acceptable for the Tigers who stayed in it for for long enough. They're in a sort of transition period, aren't they? And Rich's um, Mariners perhaps weren't expected to get to the players anyway. But it's very interesting. You've got the LA Dodgers matching up with their 70% plus winning record against the Milwaukee Brewers who have got... a soft spot for, but they actually, along with surprisingly the Houston Astros in the American League who were in the World Series last year and three years ago, they're the two teams that actually have qualified for postseason with a losing record. So they've actually lost more games than they've won. Only just so this is where there's a bit of controversy about this 16 team approach. I think they've done the right thing for this season and made it more exciting. The yeah. question is whether they will consider doing this for a season when you've got 162 games in there. And would it be right to have 16 teams in the playoff next year if we get a full season? Conceivably, you could have playoff with a team with a losing record who could just come good in that three or five season, five game series against someone and, and knock them out. You know, that's an argument for, for later. But I think they've done the right thing this time. And, you know, it's exciting to have your team in it. It's a great shame that my Red Sox are not there and the Tigers are not there and the Mariners. It would be good to have more than those White Sox just to root for. But genuinely, you know, I think it's uh, quite an exciting prospect for the next month. But what I would say when you talk about the Dodgers potentially but equivalent 116 wins I think last year the Tigers lost 114 games so waking up to check the score every morning and they're usually getting beat the, the, the Dodgers are the opposite end of the scale where you're waking up every morning and they've pretty much won every, every game so yeah yeah and, uh, you know by the sound of it they're, they're doing it without one or two of their players uh, you know this sort of Bellinger who was um, the MVP last season He's apparently not hit his numbers so far this season. So famous last words, they could get knocked out by the Brewers. And, you know, I wouldn't really mind that. But I think you've just got to go with them, haven't you? If you're yeah. going to if you had to put your last £10 on the team to win, you would probably go with the Dodgers. Could I ask a couple of questions, Dave? You, you mentioned that you have a soft spot for the Brewers. Do you maybe want to explain why that is? <laughs> yes. Uh, or can we guess? <laughs> I guess you know I've got a glass in, in front of me with the beer in it but I did go to see them many years ago it's probably over 20 years ago now it was on that trip from um, 1999 when I went to see just as I was getting interested in, in the game watching it on the TV it started to become apparent that things were changing and they were all getting new ballparks and you know, the Tigers in particular were having their last season at their famous old stadium and I just wanted to go see them I went to Chicago <laughs> go to see the White Sox and the Cubs and we also took a trip up to Milwaukee to see the Brewers and I really enjoyed that it was 
terrific. Obviously, as the name suggests, they've got maybe not everyone's cup of tea at the Miller's. Cup of tea. Uh, they do brew other beers in the town, and they've got the, probably one of the best mascots around, Bernie the Brewer, who, uh, when they score a home run, he slides down a slide into a, into a mug of beer. So, yeah, I like them. I like the logo, and the fans are great. They, they get good crowds. I think we may have said this before, I haven't really double-checked it, but I have a feeling that in terms of their population that they can draw upon, you know, I think it's one of the lowest in baseball, yet they still got good sports fans up there, haven't they, further up the lake. I think you've got the Green Bay Packers, haven't yeah. you, and really got some good loyal fans. I wondered the expanded playoffs. I'm assuming one of the drivers for maintaining a 16-team playoff situation next year, perhaps not for what we would maybe consider a sport integrity basis of a, a losing team going on to potentially win the World Series I'm assuming the dollar would be the driving factor in having an expanded playoffs and that's presumably where teams generate a lot of money It could be um, you know I'm, I'm not sure particularly why they did it this year I can't remember what the discussion was but looking away from the money aspect of it well actually when you think about it it may be down to TV TV money we want more exciting playoff games you know given that fans are, are not still not allowed in the ballparks you know maybe it's no bad thing that they came to this arrangement for next year personally I, I wouldn't particularly like to to see it extended beyond what is it 10 at the moment so it's only really relatively recent that you know you've had the wild cards and you is yeah. it two wild cards each league you, you have your three winning teams don't you but they, you then do you then have yeah. two wild cards to get 10 and you have a wild card playoff I think they play off the uh, so yeah. you end up yeah. with four in each league to play off so you effectively get to the league semi-finals Dave Dunier I think you've got exciting news from Oakland there. yes it's- it's just come in over the radio. The wireless. Yes, all the wireless. Chick Young. We are Jose Abreu, uh, who has been absolutely fantastic this season. I think there's a really good chance he might be voted the American League uh, MVP. Um, so he, with a runner on second, Tim Anderson. Uh, another, I know Dave is familiar with both names. So Jose has knocked an absolute... Oh, he's knocked a long ball. A hell of a distance anyway. So the White Sox, it's now the middle of the third uh, and the White Sox are three up. So that is fantastic. It's a, it's a great way. Again, I know I was speaking earlier, although it was a disappointing end to the season, thankfully in the last couple of games, there were some signs. You know, it was a tough game, a tough series against the Cubs. But in the last two games, the White Sox still scored 17 runs. It's not, you know, they were coming on to something. Abreu has batted magnificently all year. Yes, yeah, so there's, a, there's a lot that we should have took positively into tonight, uh, as well as Giolito's had five days rest, uh, a real number one pitcher. Uh, he had a no-hitter to start of the season. He's became affectionately known as Lucas G. Elite. Oh, he's doing so, so well. No, so, sorry, Alan, so it's a great, and, and great start. Good. They've left the left. The left-handed pitcher is still in there as well, presumably. Yes. Yeah. He's now. I'm sure he must be around about 45 pitches after three innings. So yeah, he's he's, he's doing okay. But three 0 Take that all day long. I was going to ask one question that you might want to explain a wee bit for the listeners, if you know, if you're aware of this. Why would it be a difficult one for them playing in a stadium that they've never played in before? We're used to football pitches, pretty much the same dimension. What's going to be unique to them coming to a stadium that they've never batted or fielded in before it's a funny one really I think uh, you, you know I don't know what the a lot of the stadiums are like but certainly in the old ballparks each of the especially in the outfield there's lots of ways of 
playing the ball coming off the wall or the fence or the little corners that the ball might go into. You, you know, so from a fielding point of view, probably it could throw a few difficult fielding opportunities at you. Yeah, with, with the crowds not being there, it's probably not got the intimidating factor. Yeah, a club should probably build its uh, roster around the park if it favours left-handed hitters then because of the dimensions then you might or big hitters or you know it, it's not a home run friendly park so you don't pack your offence with big hitters you, you know you just want guys who get on base so yeah the home team their players should be made for that baseball park and be comfortable and know yeah. what's going on want know what the of uh, conditions I like the weather conditions and the configuration and the little complexities of how the you know the fielding is affected by yeah. that D- D- so, are you, your thoughts yeah I think it's, it's a it's a much more learned argument than I would have Dave but again it's worth pointing out again that when we make these comparisons to to football or soccer in the UK and in Scotland our home players may it, it could be weeks between home games and although you're used to your own stadium your own turf your own dimensions these guys are looking at playing 80 odd times yeah. a year on their home pitch like Dave said They'll know just about every bounce out from a wall. They'll know exactly how far, you know, because again, the dimensions, is it is it the foul line? Is that the correct term? Yeah. How deep that is, how far it back it goes. Even just back to when the sun rises over the, the stadium itself, getting caught in your eye line. It's all really, really relevant. And I think, I, I don't know, again, sorry, Dave, I don't mean to drop this on you. Also, it is post-season. This is the big time. A lot of these players may not have played postseason before. Is that something a player will think about? Thinking about, again, if I can bring it back to football, if you've played Champions League qualifiers all your years, but then suddenly you're in a group stage game, is that a good comparison? There's pressure, isn't it? You know, in every every sport and think this season I wouldn't know what the stats are but I heard, I heard people talking about a lot of clubs have used more players than normal and there's been a lot of debuts from very young players I think baseball's a game where they like to have a few what they call veterans in the lineup though they so that they've you know they're used to everything and they've seen it all before and they can maybe they're maybe big game players so that the pressure doesn't affect them and all Although there's no crowds in there, then there'll be pressure from the management, from each other, from the owners. It's a big deal, isn't it, the, the, the postseason? I've always been fascinated or interested when you see a player's stat. So that they'll tell you, like a pitcher's stats, and he's, he's got a win record X, Y, Z. But you'll also see the guys who make the playoffs, they'll say, well, his win record in the playoffs is two for one. And I've always found it quite odd because it's like, it's going to be comparatively such low numbers compared to his regular season. But obviously, it's an honour to have a playoff record. And obviously, the other factor mm. is they're saying, well, this guy is performing performing or not performing on, on the biggest stage. There's a lot of pressure because you, you, you might only, the, the top guys will, if they go all the way to the World Series, might get one, 
two, three, five pitches this year. They would maybe normally only get four in the playoffs. So they're not getting a lot of opportunities to get the stats in the in the good column. So it's an interesting. Everyone's down to zero, aren't they? Because the stats that they've earned in the regular season, that's it. They stop there. Yeah. And then you are judged then solely on what you achieve or what you don't achieve in the postseason. And for some of these players, it's just going to be three games, isn't it? Maybe, maybe yeah. two games. Two games, yeah. So what will you get there? Three or four at-bats in each game. So you've got maybe eight at-bats to really make sure that you get on base, get a hit with an RBI, get someone home. And for the pitchers, you know, there's just no margin for error whatsoever. The, the pressure of getting to the playoffs, having eight at-bats, your team getting beat, you're not getting a hit, and your playoff record as a batter is zero. That's going to live with people and play on their mind, presumably, when they turn up ne- next October. Yeah, that's, that's there for everyone to see, isn't it? And, uh, you know, people will judge on like the big teams who expect to get to the playoffs if they're looking for a first baseman or a, an outfielder and they say well what's his numbers like yeah he's okay but he's done nothing in the postseason so yeah it, it could be quite a deciding factor in whether somebody uh, you know wants to trade you or not going to throw a wee, for me a wee curveball to Dave Jr here it might not be a curveball because he brought it up in his earlier conversation but I'd, I'd never heard of the concept of a captain in the team before so I don't know if that's just something very obvious that I've missed or if it's something that the, the games I've been watching it's not something they focused on but t- tell me a wee bit about the is the captain role similar to football role I, I didn't realise they even had a captain there although it makes sense when you said it it's, it's a good point it's a, it's actually just something that I heard today when they were talking about the Oakland lad I wouldn't be able to name the White Sox captain I, I think I think I've perhaps heard them refer to Abreu as being our captain but I'm not sure what role that actually encompasses and how meaningful it is That's something we can maybe throw over to our listeners then maybe to that they can send us a message and tell us a wee bit more about what the, who would get the role and what the expectation of that role yeah. is anyway so so maybe just to, to wrap up for the evening you obviously get a few innings left in the White Sox game one what, what's your what's your prediction what's your serious thoughts here I think if you go back a couple of days in our chat group but I was predicting the A's could be really strong to go all the way to the World Series so as the games started to close off for the White Sox I was really worried about finishing in that seventh seed position and facing the, the A's so I think that first couple of hours after the end of the season I was a bit worried particularly about having a bit of a sour end to the season, potentially losing 2-0 to the A's out in September um, and all that good spade work done during August. Not ruined, but yeah, just not being really fulfilled. Again, the last couple of days, getting my head round things, starting to look at, at Oakland and trying to take the positives. So again, Lewis Robert has come on yep. to a real game. He started to hit the ball again, which has been great. Jimenez is back on the bench. Tim Anderson got a couple of hits actually in the last game against the Cubs and again he's I think there was some crazy stat considering he was up for the batting title a few weeks ago I think his last 41 at-bats I think he was something like 3 for 41 it was just so so okay. poor but he still, in, still ended up as I think 321 I just played the Tigers in those 41 bats then <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> a very good point. So again, it's I, I might might come back and bite me, but yesterday I really thought we'd be doing well to get past Oakland. However, three innings in tonight, three up. Giolito is throwing really, really quite well. All the guys that haven't played so well recently have kicked on well tonight. We've still a couple of big hitters on the bench to bring in either tonight or tomorrow. Things don't go so well. So I, I think at the moment, the only prediction I would make is that I would, I would see this going to, th- at worst, going to a third game on Thursday night. Oakland are a, a really good team, really strong history postseason. I would be thrilled to make it past them absolutely thrilled I think it would make a big statement and also I think it would be well deserved given what the White Sox have done this season Good We wish them well so you're you're almost predicting one of the seeds 5 to 8 going going through Dave Senior just looking at the seedings there there's maybe one other if we're if you make the assumption that seeds 1 to 4 are going to win their, their series and go through there's, there's maybe one of the lower seeds I'm looking at that I think's got a good chance or you'd have possibly might be favourites there any thoughts on what would be a seeding Upset there in the in the eight games we're going to eight ties we're going to see. Yeah, I, I must admit, you know, National League Dodgers, and I did fancy Padres. I like them as well, but it looks like they're in. They will play each other if they both win their wild cards. Yes. So you know, looking at the bottom half of the the draw, the National League. You know, you've got the the Marlins and the the Reds. Cincinnati Reds could they be yeah I'm thinking you know the Cubs could be the Cubs and uh, the Dodgers National League Championship and then you know looking over at the American League Dave's White Sox if they win today you know they've sort of got a very good chance of getting through to the ALCS and there's never been a World Series or Chicago World Series is that a potential <laughs> that'll be exciting it would be quite something if it did happen I did wonder the the Indians have probably got a, a tough draw at seed four against the those damn Yankees at seed five as well. So I wondered if that's one we'll get through, and then they they're probably likely to be playing the Rays, who I suspect will beat the Blue Jays in that American yes. League game as well. So but that's a good shout. That four versus five, you know, uh, New York. They're going to be they're capable, aren't they, of anything? You know, they've always got the lineup who could potentially turn it on yeah. you know famous last word but I just don't quite see it happening for them this season they've been quite streaky though haven't they you know if they get off to a good start they could you know put together some big winning streaks haven't they after a quite a long losing streak it just it depends I'm not sure yeah. what's happening with them to be honest what's causing that they had injuries didn't they quite a few injuries and then to sort of all come back more or less at the right time. That's, that can be an influence as well. So we'll we'll reconvene in a in a week's time or so and see where see where we are and see what's happening. But uh, good good to do that and good to catch up. Definitely. Cheers, Al. One of the things I really love about baseball is the stats and the various stats that feature on every aspect of the game. Fantastic records have been created and held and maintained and progressed as time goes on. And it's great watching games on TV and reading afterwards. And people have the facts and figures at their fingertips, not just on individual player records and team records, but also on historical facts and figures. And so we can very quickly understand different records that are created or different records that are about to be challenged for. It probably is one of the reasons why I would fall in love with the the game in baseball. A few of you have been in touch with us and asking us about some of the stats and what, what they mean and why they're relevant, etc, etc. So we thought we'd start a wee section on the Highland bullpen. We'll probably call it ballpark figures. 
might be an appropriate name for this, and we'll have a look at the different aspects of the game. On this episode, we'll start with perhaps the easiest and most relevant aspect of statistics for the game, and it's your winning percentage. So unlike football, you don't actually win points for winning a game, or you don't get points for drawing a game. In fact, other than very rare extreme circumstances, you don't draw games, hence why we have extra innings to decide winners. That's not unusual in American sports. I think soccer has probably got a few American sports fans a bit confused when they they allow draws in the MLS. The winning percentage is effectively equivalent to the points per game scenarios that we've seen being utilised for calling European, some European and certainly the Scottish leagues following the outbreak and lockdown with COVID-19. It's interesting as well because about 20 years ago in football we moved from two points for a win to three points for a win. So previously you'd get twice as many points for winning a game as opposed to drawing a game. Now it's three times as many. That I think is actually quite slightly relevant to how the leagues were called in Scotland and particularly the championship. When we look at the bottom end of the league, Partick Thistle uh, were deservedly relegated using a points per game scenario. But if you consider the fact they were one point behind, or two points behind, sorry, with one game in hand, i.e. one game extra to play, if they had won that game in hand, they would actually have been above the team ahead of them on A on points and and B naturally on points per game as well. So if we made the decision in soccer to move to three points to reward teams winning, perhaps it's a fair argument that Partick Thistle were were unfairly treated within the confines of the, the Scottish League. The winning percentage or number is expressed as a three decimal point percentage. It's three because that makes sure that the actual number is unique. If you had a two decimal point percentage in a 162 game season, the numbers would not be unique. And I think in fact, am I right in thinking 79 and 80 wins might both give you the same percentage of 0.49, but obviously it would be different if you went to three decimal points. Of course, in a 60 game season, you could go to two decimal points, but I'd imagine the traditionalists are probably pretty angry about enough that's already been changed and baseball this season. So anything over 500 is a winning season and anything under 500 is a losing season. It's as simple as dividing the number of wins by the number of games played. You can then get your percentage or your your three-figure number. Now, it becomes relevant when you consider the strength of the leagues and moving into the playoffs. In in a traditional season, I believe the three divisional winners plus a wild card enter. And the wild card is decided by looking at the highest winning percentage of the non-divisional winners in each league. Uh, So you could consider that effectively to be the the best runner-up position. That can be quite relevant. When you look at one of the divisions has obviously the Yankees and the Red Sox, two of the big names in baseball. So you conceivably, if you had no wildcard position, the, the two of them could never both qualify for the playoffs. In fact, we've on seven occasions, including 2019, I believe, had the wild the World Series champions coming from a wild card last year when the Nationals won it. Conceivably, the argument would be over a 162 game season, you could have the second best team in the whole of baseball not qualifying for the playoffs out of six teams if you only had divisional winners. And I think 
quite clearly people would see that that's probably not the, the fairest way of doing it. In addition to deciding on the wild cards, of course the other important thing is that draft picks are also reflected in your winning percentage. Uh, they obviously are done in reverse order of the team's records at the close of the preceding season. So effectively the team with the worst record overall baseball will get the first draft picked the following year and the i would say the cynical amongst us might have experienced situations where some teams or some fans of teams are shouting for their team to lose those of you familiar with the national football league the nfl might uh, have come across that type of situation before it's quite an unusual situation for us but again we're not watching franchise sports we're watching sports where you move up and down the leagues depending on the merit of your performance. Okay, that's all for this week, folks. We're really grateful for your listening, downloading, and indeed recommending our podcast to your friends and those who you know are interested in the world of sport, particularly baseball and football. Please remember to keep contacting us via our various social media channels with your questions, with your feedback, and with your thoughts. And until the next time, we'll catch up soon. Thank you.